Thank you to every God that we're going to talk about today. Thank you to baby Jesus. I don't know. He doesn't get... No, he's not very autumn. <laughs> Thank you to Apollo. Thank you to the Morrigan. She's a little bit autumn. Persephone. Um, Persephone. We're going to talk about Persephone. Yeah. Welcome to the second of our spooky season spectacular. Yeah. It's not... This episode isn't really spooky, but it is fall themed. So that's cool. It's relevant to the cause. Cool. <laughs> we're just happy that you're happy. We all just want you to enjoy autumn because we're all spooky, spooky bitches here. Yes. Only spooky girls in the building. I have to show you my t-shirt. Oh, I love that. I think you posted it on your Instagram, right? Yeah, it says, get in, loser. We're going witching. And it's um, the Sanderson, <laughs> the Sanderson sisters. sisters. It's it's so cool. Um, but we are also comparing autumn ball themed snacks Emily has a juice box. <laughs> I have a I have an apple juice box, which you'll find out the relevance later in this episode. And I have Can you hear the crinkling? <laughs> Did we turn into an ASMR podcast? ASMR. I'm watching the recording feed and it's going absolutely fucking nuts. But yeah, I have a packet of banshee bones, uh, which are a fried corn snack. Is it fried? I don't know. It's no added MSG, so that's important, apparently. Nice. Yeah, made by Tato Crisps. They are a little bone-shaped corn snack. That one looks a little suspicious. <laughs> yeah, it looks slightly phallic. <laughs> Make that very phallic. I was um, going to say, it's like... Wow. Listen to that crunch. I'm sorry to anybody who has, like, misophonia. Ewan's going to give out to me when he hears this. <laughs> Because all I ever hear is him giving out to people on Xbox Live going, stop cheering. Yeah, I'm not a huge um, fan of it either, but for in this case, I'll accept it. Mm -hmm. It's one I promise I'll not start eating on the podcast all the time. But yeah, Banshee <laughs> Bones were a childhood staple and then they sort of disappeared for a while. And then there was this whole thing of like people going, remember Banshee Bones? That was like an Irish childhood thing. So yeah, they came back. I get a little spark of joy every time I see it, but like... The art on it is pretty scary. Like, look at her. Oh, yeah. She's pretty creepy looking. Mm-hmm. We'll have to post so, a picture of it. Well, but obviously by the time this episode's up, it'll be gone. But I tagged our... Emily runs our Ronan Pine Instagram, by the way. Does an amazing job. Do I? Yes, you do. <laughs> I try to make it so, like, people can't tell exactly who's doing it. <laughs> well, we do get people who are, like, addressing stuff to me on it. And yeah. I feel kind of bad because I'm kind of like... Well, I only show you those things. My me. mom addresses me on the Instagram. <laughs> okay. That's and fine. I've been trying to convince that's her fine. that it's you running the Instagram. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> because my friend, Wee Neve. Wee Neve, shout out my little nurse friend. She's a newly qualified nurse. She's doing amazing. She lives in Edinburgh. Congratulations. A spooky place. And she loves podcasts. Yeah, it's it's not me running the Instagram, but uh, if you want to talk to me through it, Neve, that's completely fine. The messages will get to you anyway. Yeah, they will get to me. She is wee Neve. I am the bigger Neve. Now, bear in mind, I am four foot eleven, so she is very small. Oh my goodness. But uh, we she's pocket sized. She's a pocket rocket. We don't let us <laughs> let it hold us back. I also, um, it's really funny because like you and I have never met in person and um, mm -hmm. For some reason, I always imagine you being very tall. Uh, I cannot even imagine being tall. <laughs> so it's so like I'm one of those annoying short women who kind of makes a part of my personality. Like how I'm not I'm not that tall either. I'm like five foot two. Oh, okay, I was actually about to ask how tall you are because like I have no frame of reference. Yeah, <laughs> figured you're a little bit 
a little bit taller than me at least yeah i'm on the wee side you're on you're on the wee side you're probably average enough for an irish woman it's like we don't we don't have a huge amount of basketball players here like because you're all leprechauns so yeah throwing it back to a previous episode throwback we got a little bit throwback so emily should we confess that this is our second time recording this episode i mean you just uh, blew the whistle so i just i just outed myself yeah. i just i couldn't go on any longer lying to our loyal listeners who clearly would have noticed um <laughs> i just pulled a face like they wouldn't have fucking noticed well we had to because we already recorded we kind of changed up the script a little bit because i think i think if you record once and you like have all the same information mm-hmm. it feels very inauthentic when you do it the second yeah. time i also wasn't all that pleased with my burst version of it because I was as I used to say in college I rabbit hole where you end up focusing way too much on one subject because yeah. you can't find an answer and then I didn't look enough into other stuff so we're just starting again we're just redoing it we're just changing it up we're just keeping it fresh you know <laughs> acting like it's our job yeah and I have a friend who um informed me that the recording all of our technology probably malfunctioned because Mercury's in rec- retrograde so I'm gonna I she could literally tell me that at any point of the year and I would have no idea so I'm gonna take her word yeah for it. so hopefully so. I think it's still in retrograde hopefully everything works out today mm-hmm. Mer- Mercury is in Gatorade Lemonade <laughs> Powerade. Right aid. <laughs> but it's not in my juicy juice. And I'm also drinking a uh, Earl Grey tea, which is also very autumn And I didn't have any last time, so. Yeah. Um, I'll try stopping with the mouth sounds because, yeah, that's... People get very angry about ASMR sounds. Very angry. <laughs> yeah, my mom will eat when she's on the phone with me and I'm like, can you not? Because it'll always be like Doritos yeah. or something. It's never like... It's always something that's very loud. <laughs> See, all all it does to me when I hear people eating, it just makes me really hungry. And I'm like, that's ri- very rude yeah. that you didn't bring any for me. I would also like so. some banshee bones. We should do a little swap. What about at Christmas we do a snack swap? We should. That would be fun. Oh, sorry, Yule. We'll do a Yuletide <laughs> snacks, a snack swap. There's no C word here. Not on a folklore <laughs> podcast. So this is our fall episode of Rowan and Pine. I'm Emily. Take two. And I am me. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk to you about Mabon, a.k.a. the Autumn Equinox. Mabon is a controversial term. We know this. We know this now. Did not know this last time. Thank God we didn't release that. And we're going to get into all of that. We're going to teach you guys a little bit about the mythology around this time of year and some little traditions that have survived through the years and how people are celebrating it up to the present day. It's going to be great. So it's going to be amazing as we might have mentioned on the podcast before uh there are eight sabbats or festivals that occur on the wheel of the year uh emily's going to talk a lot about a lot more about the pagan side but just very generally eight sabbats happen or in at the midpoint between the big solar events so summer solstice winter solstice spring equinox fall equinox etc etc during the autumnal equinox the sun shines directly on the equator and the northern and southern hemispheres get the exact same amount of rays. For our Aussie friends, because for some reason we do have an Australian uh, listenership. Oh, we do? I checked that today. That's awesome. It's like our third highest. Wow. So, hi Australians. And I only know like three people there, so that's... <laughs> I know no people there, so that's crazy. So, shout out to our Aussie friends. Cassie, if you're listening, or if you're back binging it, hey, text me. I haven't talked to you in a while though. <laughs> it's, it's really funny because when I was typing up my notes, you know, I made sure to be mindful of like, oh, this is like in the Northern Hemisphere. 
And then I was like, we probably don't even have anybody mm-hmm. in the Southern Hemisphere who are listening. And I was wrong. <laughs> we do. So yeah, if you're Australian, please uh, raise your hand and let us know. Yeah. Say hello. Hello. Okay, so that is generally what the autumnal equinox is about. Now, these solar events have traditions going way back to do with the seasons. The seasons always have myths tied to them. They always have gods and goddesses tied to them. So we're going to get into some of them. Probably the biggest one and the one that we I would have come across the most is uh, Persephone. Most people know who per- Persephone is. I think the relationship between Persephone and Hades, it seems to be getting some sort of like like a rebirth at the moment because there are... I was going to say, are people writing fan fiction about it? <laughs> Actually, yes. Um, there's a, oh there's a God, lot of, of romance novels um, and sort of like uh, fantasy novels coming out about based or loosely based and they're like fairy tale retellings of Hades and Persephone. When you look at the actual story is... A little bit problematic. I'm going to tell you about it. But um, I did read one. I read one called, was it called Neon Gods? Um, No shade to the author. That was very bad. (laughs) That was not the best book. (laughs) Like, it was very fan fiction-y. They were sort of relying on you to know enough about the whole thing. It was like a modern retelling of it. It's like you created this universe, but you, and you called the city Olympus, but you haven't explained anything about it. Like, where is it? Is it in Greece? Is it on a mountain? Like, what? So, yeah, that's a, that's my little gripe about it. It was, it's kind of eye-opening when you look at the actual story of Hades and Persephone and why Persephone is tied yeah. to autumn. And you're going to tell us about that? I'm going to tell you about it. Okay. So, in Greek mythology, Persephone was the goddess queen of the underworld and the wife of Hades. She can also be called Kor, uh, which means the maiden, and she was the goddess of spring growth. So often when you see Persephone portrayed either like in books or in film, she's usually a very pure spirit. She's very all about positivity. So it's I think that's what attracts people to the myth. It's like Hades is the darkness and she's like purity and light. Okay. She was worshipped alongside her mother Demeter in the Eleusinian Mysteries. So that's like the agricultural based branch of mythology. It was all about to do with how people passed into the afterlife. So Persephone was usually depicted as a young goddess and you often see her holding sheaves of grain and a flaming torch. Sometimes she's pictured alongside Demeter and the hero Tripotelemus who is the teacher of agriculture. But usually, more often than not, she is appearing at the side of Hades. Demeter was actually the sister of Zeus, and Zeus was Persephone's father. So there's a little bit of a uncle-aunt, uncle-dad thing <laughs> going was, on there. I was like, wait, huh? <laughs> yeah, uncle-dad, aunt-mom thing going on there. <laughs> so yeah, Demeter was the middle daughter of the Greek god Kronos, and the goddess Rhea. Um, Demeter is Mother Earth, so she's the mother of corn and all of crops and de- vegetation. So then her daughter was the goddess of new growth. Um, Demeter okay. is also the fertility goddess and the goddess of nature and the seasons. That makes sense. Yes. The way that Persephone and Hades ended up together, Zeus, without the knowledge of Demeter, had promised Persephone to Hades. And while she was gathering flowers, the earth suddenly opened up and she was carried off to the underworld. That's nice. <laughs> where she was forced into uh, sexual things. Um, oh my goodness. Which, you know, it wouldn't be a Greek myth without a little bit of that. Greek mythology was not very big on um, consent. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely not. So her cries were heard only by Hecate, who you had you had mentioned before, and Helios. Uh, I think it's pronounced Hecate. Hecate, okay. And we learn. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Demeter, once realising that she was gone, searched endlessly for Persephone, during which time the earth was infertile and famine-stricken because all of the new, new growth was gone and because Demeter was so beside herself that her daughter was taken away. Yeah. Because all life on earth was threatened with extinction, Zeus sent Hermes to the underworld to fetch Persephone back. Hades released her but gave her a pomegranate, which bound her to him for one third of the year when she ate the seeds. So Persephone's time in the underworld corresponded with the unfruitful times of the year and her return was springtime. Persephone's descent into the underworld, as you can gather, is autumn time when the world starts to die and she stays there all during winter and comes back in the spring. Oh, cool. I knew that she was associated with pomegranates. Yeah, same. I never quite knew what the connection with her on pomegranates was. Me either. I just knew it was, I knew it was like sort of like a symbol of Persephone. And then it's also, as I'll go over later, but um, pomegranates are also a symbol of Mabon in like this time of the year. Oh, interesting. Speaking of Mabon, we're going to cover what Mabon the festival is, but it got its name from somewhere and that is the controversial part that we're going to talk about. Um, so generally the autumn equinox, the autumnal equinox, the fall equinox has always been called just that until a guy called Aidan Kelly in the 1970s decided to call it Mabon and named it after a figure that I'm going to tell you about uh, from Welsh mythology. Um, there seems to be some sort of conflict within the Wiccan modern witch community over whether it should be called Mabon because if you're following traditional pagan rules, um, Mabon is not the name, it's just a made up name for convenience. So this author in the 1970s, Aidan Kelly, he was US based he thought basically that Mabon sounded more authentically like an ancient festival than just calling it the autumn equinox. <laughs> so he just decided, he said that he would he was creating a calendar in 1973 and called it that, comparing it to the, the festival that Emmy, Emily covered called Litha and that Litha is what he assigned to Midsummer. Yeah. He said um, the autumn equinox is a little bit harder to name that he found the solution in a book about Stonehenge in which the author discussed a smaller circle at Stonehenge aligned to the autumn equinox so he just kind of tied that in with Demeter and Persephone and decided that Mabon had similarities to them and <laughs> he thought that maybe it could have been the myth associated with the date he wasn't certain he said he didn't just come up with it there's no evidence to support it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just so interesting to be like I just want something that sounds cooler I'm gonna kind of yeah. like force this sort of yeah. like narrative and then just be like this is why we call it that. We thought we might as well cover who Mabon is and tell you a little bit about him. The connection to some of the other uh, gods from other parts of the Celtic world. So at least you'll be fully informed uh, and you'll know that maybe you shouldn't be calling it that. Or if somebody uh, Wiccan gets annoyed at you, at least you'll know why. Mabon is essentially, he's a deity. Um, he's linked to Apollo uh, within the Roman pantheon. Probably... What people mostly associate him with is um, the Gaulish Celtic god. So Gaul is in France. Mapinus, which means the divine son and his mother Matrona, who is the divine mother. Um, so Mabon's mother is known as Madron. Okay. There was evidence that uh, people within the area, which is now Wales, gave thanks to them, worshipped Mabon because they found inscriptions around those areas in stones, as we've covered uh, in Stonehenge as well, and even up as far as Hadrian's Wall. Do you know what Hadrian's Wall is? No. So Hadrian's Wall is when the Romans were occupying Great Britain. They basically 
were, do I want to say afraid? They were too well matched by the Celts in Scotland. Okay. So what they did is they built a giant wall to keep the Celts out of England and Wales. <laughs> and that wall is still still there to this day. Oh, wow. And it was built during the reign of the Roman Emperor Hadrian. So it's known as Hadrian's Wall. Wow. You pass through Hadrian's Wall to get from England to Scotland. So they like put a hole through it or? I, I'm assuming after like the fall of the Roman Empire that it kind of just went back to um, all being one place. I mean, it's... We'll not get into English Scottish <laughs> history. <laughs> That's like another ten podcasts. <laughs> just just cover it real quick. <laughs> On about like the Jacobite Rebellion and all of that. The Hadrian's Wall was also the inspiration for the wall in Game of Thrones that like Jon Snow lives on okay. in the first few seasons, aka the first few books of Game of Thrones. And also in Game of Thrones is to keep the wildlings out, who yeah. are like kind of a very scary wild people. Yeah. So that's, yeah, they're based on, like, the Romans trying to keep the Scots out. I never knew that. There's a lot about, like, Britain and the UK that I just, like, don't know, which... Hey, their history is a lot longer than US history, yeah. so <laughs> there's a lot more to learn, in fairness to you. Right, I'm like, you know? our history goes back, what, like, 200 years-ish? Well, like, you know, yeah. colonial history. Mm. But yeah, it's just so fun. Well, like when like the queen died, rest in peace. And like our friends were talking about and they're like, oh, they're shipping her down from Scotland or whatever. And I was like, wait, she's in Scotland? Like, I don't know any of this. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, she has like a holiday palace up there. Yeah. Um. So just your casual holiday palace. She you know? did anyway. I've been to it. <laughs> yeah, she did. it's nice. I'm sure it um, is. <laughs> was that the one I was at? What's what's the one that's in Edinburgh? Because I walked around that one. I don't know. All of her palaces smell. I'm sorry. Like, I've been to two of them. They smell. They smell like... Old people. They smell old. I, I mean... Because <laughs> it's all... They're like, this carpet has been here since 16... Like, oh. yeah, and it smells. You should have replaced it. Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah. Some... Probably some mildew <laughs> growing underneath there, so... <laughs> and it's like, your, your staff probably aren't treated all that well, so they're probably not doing the best job, so... Yeah. Anyway, anywho, that's the segue of all segues. <laughs> the queen smelled. Rest in peace. So Mabon, who is Mabon? Mabon is considered a deity. There's like a, a cycle of wealth mythology. And Mabon actually only really shows up in one of the surviving uh, tales. And it's the tale of Killuk and Olwen. And it's one of those classic like forbidden love, like he must go on quest, kind of like the Princess Bride. He must go on quests and tr to try and get the girl. Okay. Um, Killhook is the guy, Olwen is the girl. So very generally, because <laughs> these are very, very long stories. And I don't know how all of those storytellers in like um, ancient times remembered all of these stories, because apparently there's like at one point there's 340 names to remember. Wow. Well done. I'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, well, they had a lot of time to like chill out and tell stories because they didn't have TikTok. But um, yeah, <laughs> TikTok, I was going to say TV, but yeah, TikTok even better. <laughs> I'm going more modern with it. More accurate, honestly. <laughs> but with the names, that's a lot. I, you know, I can imagine you know, remembering stories, but not 300 plus names. Mm -hmm. And these names also have connections to the Arthurian myths, like King Arthur, Knights of the okay. Round Table and all of this. Yeah. So Killhook was cursed by his stepmother and the stepmother determined that the only woman he would ever love and marry was a woman called Olwen, who he had never met. And Olwen just happens to be the daughter of a big scary giant 
a chief giant called Spurthaden. Um, I'm, I've written all of these out phonetically because I am so sorry to the nation of Wales. That's just <laughs> your, your language. I thought my language was bad. Your language is crazy. Um, but I'm trying to be respectful. I think as long as you're trying and, and you're not, you know, being an asshole yes. about it. <laughs> There's a very well-known TV show. Actually, James Corden wrote it. Of course he did. James Corden is a dick, but um, Gavin and Stacey, people generally say is the best thing he ever did. It was kind of like his big break. And it's like a sitcom about a guy from England who falls in love with a girl. She works at like a call center and she's Welsh and he just falls in love with her and they decide to get married without, without ever having met, which is kind of a bit like Kilhook and Olin. Interesting. Yeah, but um, most people, the only like Welsh accents they're exposed to is Gavin and Stacey, so they just say like lines from Gavin and Stacey all the time. <laughs> it's a, a much loved sitcom. <laughs> so yes, I'll try not to just sound like I'm doing Gavin and Stacey impressions here. Okay. So the chief giant, who was Owen's father, is called Spurthaden. Spurthaden said that Kilhook can marry his daughter, but first he must accomplish 40 seemingly impossible tasks in order to win her hand in marriage. All right. Gotta make them work. Next time men complain that we're too high maintenance, what about shit like this, you know? <laughs> Remind them of um some mythology. Because I've heard for a while I was watching, it's a YouTube channel. I think it's called like Hungarian mythology, something like that. And it's just like this, it's just tons of videos where this guy just tells folk tales and mythology from Hungary, I guess. Yeah, I remember one of them was like some, like a prince or a guy showed up and he was like, I want to marry your daughter to the king. And then the king's like, okay, well, you got to do all of these things first. Or like the most modern version is Scott Pilgrim versus the world, <laughs> where he has to defeat her seven evil exes. <laughs> I don't even, I watched that movie so long ago. I don't remember like anything about it the crazy thing about it is how many like famous people there are in it yeah like chris evans is one of her exes oh wow not the seven evil exes killhook has to carry out 40 impossible tasks but he's lucky in that killhook has a cousin who can help and his cousin is king arthur oh <laughs> That's kind of handy. Yeah. So he goes to King Arthur's court and asks for help. And King Arthur has, they're just referred to as King Arthur's men, like they're soldiers. Yeah. Um, and that's where like the, all of those like hundreds of names comes out of. Um, and like the storyteller names them all. Oh my goodness. But what actually happens is after hearing of Killhook's plight that he has to get the girl that he's never met. She's a giant or half giant at least. <laughs> Arthur gives him six men who have... They all have special attributes. Like one of them has super hearing. One of them can understand all uh, languages, including animal languages. Interesting. Yeah. So it's all like, it's like a, a merry band of uh, superheroes. <laughs> it's like the Avengers. It's the Arthurian Avengers. <laughs> so among these tasks, one of the 40 tasks is he has to kill an enormous boar called Turk Toith. And this boar has a comb and shears behind his ear that Sperthaden wants to use to trim his beard for the wedding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but Killhook has absolutely no hope of killing this boar without the help of one person, and that one person is Mabon. Enter Mabon. <laughs> Enter Mabon. However, there's a catch. Mabon went missing from Modron, his mother, when he was three days old, and he has never been seen since. Oh. But with the help of the six heroes that Arthur provided to Killhook, they finally locate Mabon and he's in an underwater prison and they free him. Because of that, because of Mabon's special ability to hunt this boar, he's able to find the boar and help Killhook kill the boar and get the comb and the shears. And that, along with all the other 39 tasks, he's <laughs> able to win win over Owen. Wow. So that is literally where Mabon shows up in Wealth Mythology and there doesn't seem to be any other mention of him. 
anywhere. So it was just he showed up to help with like this one task and then mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. Yep. And a holiday is named after this person. <laughs> yes. I th- I can see why a lot of uh, the witch- Wiccans and witches are, are kind of disillusioned with that. Right. Like you could have named it like <laughs> Persephone or something like that. Like it would make a little more sense than just this random little like guy yeah. who shows up for a moment i also when i heard like when i first heard the name mabon i thought it was it sounds like a feminine name to me mm-hmm. i did not think it was a male in mythology so yeah it just means like design divine sun and it's it's got a connection with this time of the year which as we'll get into is kind of the pagan thanksgiving yeah purely because of one guy in 1973 <laughs> Thank you, guy in 1973. I don't even remember your name. (laughs) So, Emily, would you like to get into the actual meaning of the autumn equinox and their traditions that we have that have survived to this this day? Why, yes, Neve. I will do that. So, I am coming in reporting on Mabon and paganism and witchcraft. I think Neve kind of touched on this earlier. Mabon is one of the two harvest holidays on the Wheel of the Year. This is the day where there are equal parts light and dark. It's the direct opposite of midsummer. Because of the harvest, this is a big holiday for kitchen witchery. For those who don't know what kitchen witchery is, simply put, it's the practice of knowing magical or medicinal properties of herbs and using them purposefully in recipes. Kitchen witches treat the process of cooking as a way to perform spells or rituals. So they kind of like, when they're cooking and stuff, they like put intention and, you know, whatever they're trying to. It sounds like almost like a meditative cooking like you're bearing in mind where your food is coming from. Yeah, and it's like the gift that you have to be able to like eat and cook and and all of that. So they'll be cooking and like say they want to bring like fertility to their life or love or prosperity or something like that. They'll be they'll be cooking and they use herbs that are sort of like representative of that and they will use those purposefully in their recipes. It's also sort of like Like if you have a loved one who's sick or something, you'd create like a concoction for them to drink like a tincture or something like that or like teas. Or if you're my grandmother in the 90s, you boil seven up. Stop. And give it to your grandkid. Really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's like generally if you have, even to this day, if you have an upset stomach, Irish people will boil seven up and give you flat seven up. And it's supposed to help calm your stomach. That sounds like child abuse. (laughs) (laughs) I think to me, it sounds like it's a way of getting like uh, sugar and fluids into a child that's been throwing up and had diarrhea. Yeah, but why do you have to boil it? To get all of the carbonation out. Do children there not so you... like carbonation? <laughs> I don't know why it has to be flat. I don't, I genuinely don't know. But I just have this like visceral memory of being given flat 7 up yeah. as a kid. And it was at my, my grandmother's direction i cannot drink um ginger ale anymore because that was like the thing that was given to us when we would throw up as kids it was like oh they're throwing Mm. up give them ginger ale and now even when i smell it it like smells like stomach acid i just can't handle it oh god it's so gross yes for me that's vodka and black juice so um but that's for completely i was gonna say that sounds like it's a different reason (laughs) it wasn't medicinal or maybe it was who knows that's a self-inflicted reason (laughs) (laughs) the ginger ale was forced upon me in some modern pagan traditions this holiday is used to honor the crone if people are not familiar with the 
It's sort of like an archetype. It's called the Maiden Mother Crone figure. It's also known as the Triple Goddess. It's represented in modern paganism and Wicca, but it's not found in ancient mythology. The idea of where the Maiden Mother Crone originated from is up for debate. Some say that the folklorist Robert Graves is the one who came up with the archetype of the Triple Goddess, but much of his work has been discredited due to his lack of research. So, screw you, Robert. This is a theme. (laughs) Isn't this a theme with male folklorists or male like writers? I was writers gonna say it this? sounds like a the male confidence illness. It's a Dunning Kruger. Uh, oh yeah, it's like where you you don't realize how how much you don't know because you don't. Yeah. Know. Um. So that's just yeah that special confidence that's only a white guy talking about something that thousands of uh, indigenous cultures all over the world have celebrated for right. years. Right. Or just like women. <laughs> But many more people say that the Triple Goddess has been the work of multiple modern feminist writers. So although there were no names, I was like, okay, so we're going to name this Robert Graves guy, but we're not going to give these modern feminist writers names. Okay. <laughs> that was actually, there was a program at my my university um, where they had to make it like a university policy that they're looking to credit more female academics and female writers because it was that much of a wow. problem. Well, it's nice that they're they get lost. trying to correct it. In modern Wicca, the maiden is seen as a virginal young woman. She is the representation of excitement, innocence, and new beginnings. She's represented by the waxing phase of the lunar cycle. This is when the light on the moon is growing and it looks like a backwards letter C. The mother is a symbol of fertility, abundance, growth, and gaining wisdom. She is represented by the full moon. Her seasons are spring and early summer when everything is growing new and the land is fertile. So she's like Persephone. Yeah. And then we have the crone. She's the old woman who is full of wisdom. She's darkness of the night and her life is fading. She's represented by the waning moon, which looks like the right way letter C. This is when the moon is heading towards its dark phase, also known as the new moon. She is also represented by winter when the plants die and the earth grows cold. Mabon is a time to honor the crone as we in the Northern Hemisphere are heading towards winter. It's interesting because when we think of like aging and getting older and especially women aging and getting older, like nowadays, it's like, oh no, it's the worst thing ever. But like you see, we have a tradition of celebrating this, celebrating like age, celebrating being able to get older, celebrating no longer being like a childbearing age, but being like the wiser, wise woman in your society who can pass down your wisdom and can guide like younger people, I think. Yeah. Well, there's so many cultures that do honor the elderly and they respect them and they, um, kind of like put them not really like put them on a pedestal but they're very like they hold them in esteem yeah and they look up to them and they think like they've lived a long life they're full of wisdom they know all these things like and i think in like western culture we don't do that it's like oh you're old let's toss you out (laughs) which is really sad because like if you really do listen to a person who's older they're gonna know a lot more and they're gonna be able to give you good advice for the most part i don't think you could trust every like elderly person's advice (laughs) (laughs) yeah don't ask them to open a pdf um, (laughs) or anything like that yeah or set up their own online banking (laughs) yeah my grandma couldn't even uh plug her cell phone into the charger so (laughs) oh my poor grandma hey that'll be us one day like a new scary world yeah she resisted technology so hard (laughs) that's yeah my dad is like that he's just refuses meanwhile i would see people like other people's grandmas like wishing them a happy birthday on their facebook and i'm like what yeah 
Your grandma like knows how to turn on a computer. (laughs) So yeah, so um, Mavon is a time to honor the crone because everything's getting dark, everything's dying. It's kind of like a representation of, you know, life. Like the the maiden mother crone, it's... It's the menopause. It's the menopause. (laughs) (laughs) Essentially. It's a transition from mother to crone. Yeah. I mean, it's just the maiden mother crone archetype is kind of like a a representation of the cycle of life. You have the young, innocent part, and then, you know, you're like childbearing age. You might have children. You might just like, you might not have children. You might help other people take care of their children. You might choose to be the cool auntie who flies around and drinks wine. (laughs) The goal. And then uh, you turn into a crone. I'm really hoping that our society like turns around and we start honoring older people instead of thinking that it's like oh well you're past your prime time to take you out back i don't know every every day i wake up and there's something new wrong with me so i can't imagine what it's like when i'm 70 (laughs) like me today i was telling neve i woke up this morning and i like went to like roll over and my neck just like popped out of place slightly immobile today (laughs) yeah so she's just gonna lie down right after this pretty much (laughs) cry just kidding. For witchcraft or those who follow the wheel of the year, Mavon is a time to harvest one's intentions. That is, if you have worked with the other Sabbaths along the wheel of the year to set your intentions, starting with in bulk, which is usually on the 1st of February. Mavon is when you reflect on how your intentions have manifested and to release what is not serving you. Some rituals to celebrate Mavon include, you can celebrate with food. They call it like the witch's Thanksgiving. Some of the rituals can include just like having a bunch of family and friends over, cooking for them, making it a potluck so you don't have to cook all the food, (laughs) but just celebrating with food and giving thanks to the abundance in front of you and abundance in your life. I guess the food is kind of just like a representation of abundance in your life. I've also seen a lot of the Horn of Plenty being used in connection with Mabon. Cornucopia. (laughs) <laughs> yes, which, as we have mentioned before, is a giant womb yeah, on the table. Big old uterus. <laughs> <laughs> big old uterus. Are you hungry? Here you go. <laughs> Lovely. Eat your soup and shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Timmy, quit staring at the uterus. Other ways you can celebrate are you can decorate for fall with pumpkins, gourd, dried flowers, dried ears of corn, or corn dollies. I was in the previous recording, I was telling Neve about how I have a corn dolly or corn doll. Sometimes they're called dollies or just dolls. You can set up an altar for Mabon. You can practice apple magic. I don't have further information on that, but it sounds really cool. All I'm going to say is I feel like apple magic is where you peel off the skin of an apple and drop it in water. And it says the initial of your Really? Funeral. I I'm assuming so. <laughs> Did you just make that up? <laughs> no, I'm not. No, it is a thing. It is a thing. Like, wow. Yeah. But no, but it is a thing. It's a thing that we used to do as kids as well. But it's like you you pull it out and you just drop it in water and sometimes it'll like like form whatever whatever wow. the letter is. That's super cool. Another way is to go for a hike or walk in nature and harvest natural elements for your Mabon altar or for your fall decorations. Acorns, dried leaves, etc. Yeah, don't go to TK Maxx like <laughs> me because that's where I went. <laughs> you can learn about mythology by listening to this podcast. <laughs> But yeah, it says learn about mythology related to this time of the year. The gods are Hermes, Dionysus. Um, the goddesses are Madron, Morgan, Epana, Persephone, Pomona the Snake Woman, and Inanna. You can donate food to a food shelter. You can eat seasonal produce. Again, high apples. <laughs> apples and pumpkin everything. Um, yes. I also wanted to thank the Reddit user Ian Maria for the list of Mavon rituals. 
And then we're going to kind of like symbology. The colors are red, orange, yellow, deep reds, brown, gold, rust, orange, dark green. Just kind of the colors you would imagine if you imagine like a autumn landscape. Food, apples, pumpkin, wine, moon cakes, nuts and seeds. Symbols, again, apple. <laughs> the cornucopia, baskets, acorns, pine cones, and grains. Plants and herbs are, guess, guess the first one. <laughs> it's apple. <laughs> So yeah, plants and herbs would be apple, pomegranate, sage, oak, fern, tobacco, and marigold. Crystals are clear quartz, amber, opal, citrine, aquamarine, and aventurine. I think I'm saying that right. And spells of Mabon, like so spells that you would want to do during this time would be for protection, prosperity, security, and self-confidence. If you're into witchy shit. Amazing. That, this is like sort of like a guide for you. <laughs> So to end us off, um, in the spirit of kitchen witchery or modern witchery, Wicca, look, this is just something that you can do if you like. We're obviously not telling you to do anything, but it's a way of connecting with the land, I think, or connecting with your home or even just honoring, apart from like watching practical magic in your pajamas, which I've already done this year. <laughs> or Hocus Pocus. Or Hocus Pocus or just eating all the butternut squash soup that you can find. You can do a harvest protection ritual and one way you can do that is putting up a decorative ward on it says porch i think that's assuming people have porches not everybody lives somewhere with a porch <laughs> <laughs> maybe just like your front door your front steps yeah the entryway of of your your home so you can ward your doorway and the main thing to bear in mind is that you have to have intent so your intent is to protect your home protect your family set a boundary make it cozy make it safe because you're going to be spending a lot of time inside over the coming months so a way that you can do that is with a decorative ward and it's to ward off evil or ill will and it's usually made out of things like dried flowers and herbs or some fabric scraps that you might have around. Um, you could also, if you're not renting, you could also carve it into the wood above your door, but um, <laughs> not everybody is a homeowner if you're a millennial, okay? Right. <laughs> it kind of sounds like what you're describing could just be a wreath. Yeah. Like you could just hang a wreath on your door. Yeah. My mom has a wreath, but she bought that in uh, Marks and Spencer's, I think. You don't have a home protection ward, store-bought is fine. Yes. <laughs> You can just be like a squirrel and go outside and gather little nature things. Yeah, just forage. Get yourself into foraging. You could pick some, some stuff up, like Emily was saying, on your walks, because it's like the best time of year ever to walk outside now. We, um, a couple years ago, we went to the Arboretum in the fall, and I don't know if you have those where you are, if you know what they are. Not really. It's, like, is it a... It's just like a huge park, and they have just like tons of different types of trees planted there that are like native to the area cool. so you can just walk around and learn about like all the different trees it's like a it's pretty nerdy but it's also really nice because it's like a little nature walk but um mm. i was gonna say the one year we went there and i was like i was finding these different pine cones that i had never seen before so i was like ooh, and i was like i don't know if that's illegal to take pine cones from an arboretum but did it anyway <laughs> Emily could have used those for her ward uh, if you still have them around, but um, I'm sure them. like if it's a, like a controlled area, I mean, pine cones is where like all the, they're supposed to fall off. So what are they going to do? They're just going to sweep them up anyway. Yeah, so. or they'll just decompose in the land. Mm -hmm. So with your ward, you start with a base. Um, So that can be something like uh, wheat, barley, dried grass. It's better if it's something that you have found, not something that you bought at like a craft store, but you know. 
needs most. <laughs> so you can take each end, you try and make it so that it's facing two different ways. So you're facing uh, inside the home and outside of the home. So that's where you're directing your energy. You tie it all together with some sort of twine. The ward is then added onto the base. It's really good to use something like lavender or rosemary or something that grows wild, um, like sunflowers. Uh, if there's holly, pine, <laughs> rowan is really good for protection <laughs> as well. So you can tuck those into the part that you've already tied together. And then just because it's going above a door, you can add a little bell onto it. So it's it's almost like a traditional version of a home alarm system. Yeah. So you create that with the visualization that you're uh, creating protection. You can also pair it with some salt, some brick dust and other herbs around it um, and just hang it. Uh, if it makes you feel a bit safer, hang it above your door. That's awesome. I feel like I might have to make one this year. Yeah, couldn't... you would make a beautiful one. <laughs> I feel like if I made one, it would just be, okay, she clearly fell down a hill and gra- this is what she grabbed on the way. <laughs> <laughs> like you pulled it out of your hair. <laughs> oh my goodness. We could even do that together. I would like to see your corn dolly too. We could um, we could like do like a Zoom where we both make our, our little uh ward things that would be cool yeah because i would say like the only thing that you ever see in like irish homes that we have we bring inside apart from obviously like a christmas tree or christmas wreath is in february on the face of saint bridget people make saint bridget's crosses oh yeah so it's the way of like it's the four four like pronged cross and it's made with Um, it's usually made with straw right yeah rushes um so what's cool is when you first make them, they're there and they're green. And then, you know, when somebody's had it for years and years, because usually when you go to their home, it's brown. Okay. And everybody always hangs it above the, um, if they have like a, it's usually a, that painting of the sacred heart of Jesus. It's the one where he's like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's probably the closest thing we have to it right now. But I think it would be cool if we had other sort of uh, wards. Yeah. And it, at the very least, it looks cool, like nice autumny decor. For sure. I wanted to make uh, mm-hmm. one of those like Bridget uh, crosses, but um, <clears throat> I couldn't find the actual like stuff to make it with. Okay, yeah. I was like Googling and like going on Etsy. I'm like straw for crafts, like things like that. And like nothing was coming up. I was like, what? how do you find this stuff? Oh, I mean, we just go outside. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's kind of, but I remember being taught how to do it because it's the way you have to weave it. I remember being taught with actual like plastic straws Okay. Uh, in school as a kid, um, but mine were always never tight enough. They're always like <laughs> falling apart. And they're like, fine, just, just tie off the ends. You're done. <laughs> it's all loosey-goosey neve. Hey, my knitting was the same. Like my knitting used to be absolutely horrific. That's so funny. When I'm just... When I was learning to crochet, my crochet was just like knots. It was like so Mine tight. Just, holes. <laughs> just taking all my aggression out. There is no that. in between. Yeah. <laughs> You're like tightly wound or something like that. I don't know. Too serious. Although apparently this time of year is uh, the beginning of Libra season. And Libra is all about balance, which also ties into the autumn equinox. So nice. It's all tied together. It's all coming together. Everything is cyclical. <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, um, we hope you... We hope that you enjoyed this episode of um, the holiday named after the person who is pretty insignificant. <laughs> we hope you liked the Morrigan's holiday. You learned about the Morrigan like a couple of episodes back. So go back and listen to that in honor of her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that crazy crow lady. 
<laughs> we love her. We do love her. She's super goth. I'll put her on my <laughs> my little wreath that I make. Yes. And also tied to that last episode, I will post a picture of him, but I adopted a kitten. His name is Balor. He only has two eyes, but weirdly enough, Ruth took my best friend Ruth took a picture of him and uh he moved and he has three eyes in the photo oh wow isn't that crazy that is so weird i'll get her i'll actually send it on to you i'll ask can we post it because obviously well she'll be like no that's my copyrighted photo <laughs> um, literally a three-eyed baller baller the smiter it's your copyrighted cat <laughs> um he's adorable he screams all of the time i can't believe you got a third cat <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Ewan's birthday present. He wore me down. Oh my goodness, that's so funny. I can't wear my husband down. I'm always like, I want to get another cat because like when we go out of town, it's sometimes hard for us to find somebody to like take care of our cat. Mm-hmm. Like she's really bad at being alone. <laughs> so we usually want somebody to like... They do get really lonely. Like one of the last times... We were gone for a 24-hour period, so we were like, she'll probably be okay. We'll, like, make sure she has her food and her water. We got home, and she didn't have a collar on, and I'm like, where, where's your collar? And I went into our bedroom, and her collar was stuck in the heating vent, and it's like, thankfully, oh, it's a breakaway God. collar, so she was able to, like, get out of it, but I was just like, yeah. Are you- we leave for one day. <laughs> That's always my big fear as well that, you know, when you, that they'll get into something and get caught. Like one time Ripley got her, her claw stuck in the back of our, our like oh tower PC, like the little, yeah. little air vent in the back. And I was just like, how, how, like, why did you even have your claws there? Trying to see if it was like a good yeah. scratching post or something. I don't know. They're crazy. So yes, follow us on Instagram if you want to see photos of Balor and maybe of Emily's corn dolly. If she wants to put up a picture of it. I will. And you can also email us at rowanandpinepod at gmail.com. You can do that. We'd love to do some ghost stories and have you guys send us some ghost stories. So if there's anybody that wants to share anything, we have a couple lined up, but obviously we're always going to look for more. Uh, So you can email them to that or you can DM them to the Instagram. For sure. Yeah, please. Like if you have like... Even if it's not really necessarily a ghost story, if it's just like kind of like a creepy story, send it to us. We want to tell mm-hmm. your story. And we'll give you credit for it. We'll we'll say that you're the yeah. author or the the person, whatever. You're the voice of the story. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed it. Because we're going to do an episode for every day of October or every week, every of, week October. of October. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> what? <laughs> Can you imagine? I like felt the panic from here thousands of miles away. <laughs> I would throw my laptop out the window if I had to edit that many um, in one go. It's not even the recording, it's the editing. Yeah. Oh but yes, yeah, so we will have an episode for each week of October for spooky season. If you have ideas of creepy stories or weird things that you'd like us to cover, let us know. Our weekly episodes will be starting October 5th and you'll have a episode every week for the month of October. Uh, that's for us to celebrate spooky season. We'll be looking for ghost tales. We're looking, be looking to freak you guys out. We'll be getting through some of the topics that we've been teasing before. So make sure and stay tuned for that. What is this? The seventh, eighth episode? It's going to be episode seven seven, of Rowan and Pine. I'm Emily. Thank you so much for listening. And I'm Neve. Also, fuck yeah, folklore. Folklore. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Goodbye. Mmm.